Welcome to the Develop in the Dark podcast, brought to you by New Spring Church. We'll prepare you with biblical truths to help you meet the demands of your reality. Hey friends, Brad and I today are talking about the Bible as our foundation of truth. It's so critical to our development that we settle the trust question. Do you trust the Bible? Believing in a fully authoritative Bible is essential to our discipleship. So hit subscribe, share this with a friend. We're praying this episode blesses you as you develop in the dark. All right, friends, welcome to Develop in the Dark. I'm here again, Trevor Cox, with my friend Brad Cooper, and we're so excited to be doing this podcast. Yeah, we're grateful that you guys have leaned in. This is, I think, our third installment in season one of Develop in the Dark. Remember, our heart here is that you would grow in wisdom, stature, and favor. And so what are the questions that you're asking as you're developing? What are the things you're leaning into? And we want to try to help you. We've been on our own journey as well, but we want to help you develop in the dark, in your conversations, in your questions with the scriptures, Mm. so that you might, again, stand the test of time. That's right. And the cultural winds that we're facing every day. Yeah, and we're just hoping that you'll reach back and grab some of these ancient truths that we're bringing forward and make some modern applications for sure, but really build a life that anchors to the truth. Yeah, God has intended that our lives... When they, when they follow the gospel, they meet the demands of reality. That's it. And so there's a lot of things in reality that's going to require of you, and the gospel, the scriptures are going to help you meet those demands. Beautiful. And uh, and so today, Trev, where are we going in this Well, this you know, we, last time we talked about the inclusivity and the exclusivity of, of our faith. This week, we're going to get into this idea of trusting God's word. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about knowing God and how God reveals himself. He's revealed himself generally through creation, through our conscious and other ways, but he's revealed himself specifically through Jesus and through his word. And so for a believer, this idea that we would trust God's word is absolutely critical. It's something we can't give away. Yeah, it's essential. It's foundational. So as you're developing in the dark, close your fists around not only the inclusive and exclusive Christ, but close your fists around the word of God. That's right. And this is why it's such a big deal to trust in the scriptures. I want to read to us just a reminder of what Paul writes to Timothy. It's in 2 Timothy 3, and this is what the Bible says about the Bible. Mm. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, emphasis, underscore, in bold, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's, that's a powerful way to describe the Bible. It's a powerful way to des- describe the Bible, and it's it's a way of describing the Bible uh, that lets us in on this truth, which is through God's Word, we can know God personally. Yep. 
right? We can have a relationship. We obviously have a relationship through Jesus, but he has spoken in his word in such a way that we can really know his voice. We can understand who he is. We can, through that, then understand who we are. It's absolutely critical. I think about some of our heroes, like J.I. Packer would say something like, the Bible is the word of God because it's the means by which God reveals himself to us. Man, thank you for J.I. Packer. Yeah, N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright's another hero, and he said it this way, God's revelation in Scripture is not just a collection of propositional truths, but a story that invites us into a relationship with God. Now, you start thinking about the Bible as your key to unlocking a relationship with the Bible, and you you begin to realize how important it is that you trust it. Yeah. And what you're going to see here as you begin down this journey is there really are just two voices. Mm. There's the voice of the Word, and there's the voice of the world. Wow. And that those two voices are constantly talking. Psalm 1 actually refers to this, and it, and it really does tell us we've got to listen. Listen, that wisdom's crying aloud in the street, but mm. Psalm 1 says that there is a man of God who builds his life, mm. all right, listening to the Word of God. That's right. And that the world's going to be talking, but we're going to be leaning into the Word of God over and over again. That that's really where life is found and safety is found. We're going to talk for a few minutes about reasons we can trust God's Word. Um, And you think about these reasons in context of modern controversies that are around us. And modern controversies around us are telling you, don't listen to God's Word. Don't hold God's Word in a closed fist. Anything goes. And it's really the, the modern controversy is really an old controversy, isn't it? Yeah. It's the controversy that is right from the garden, which is, which is, did God really say? You're quoting Satan right there. Right. Yeah. Did God really say was the way that Satan got Adam and Eve to question the Word of God. Right. And so he's constantly playing the same play. He's not creative, guys. Creativity belongs to the God of the Bible. In mm. the beginning, God created. Lucifer, not mm. creative. And so he's going to come at the same thing over and over again, and he's going to try to get us to question the Word of God. That's right. And before we go into God's Word and begin to look at various issues, you know, what does the Bible say about this issue? What does the Bible say about that issue? We've got to fundamentally trust that God's Word is God's Word. Yeah, you've got to make a decision before you get to the dilemma moment. That's right. And so will the Bible be the thing that we arrogantly stand on and we tell no Bible? Here's what culture says. Now you, Scripture, you need to change, shift, and be shaped by the cultural winds that we're standing in and on now. Or will we position ourselves humbly? under the Word of God. To be shaped by it. To be shaped by yeah, the Bible. Absolutely. And that's what we want to recommend. That's what we want to say is the way you develop. None of us have this figured out. We all need shape. We all need to be challenged. We all, but again, because listen, Trev, if we don't do this, then what ends up happening inevitably is we build a vision of God mm. that basically just is a projection of our likes and dislikes. And so if we're building a view of God that we never disagree with, that never challenges us, that never corrects us, Mm. then we should be really scared because all we've done is build a projection of our likes and dislikes Yep, and just called it God. Mm. And guys, this is rampant. Every generation does this. And that's what I'm fearful that we're in the midst of right now is that we we are building a larger projection of ourselves. But instead, if there is something in the scripture that challenges me, 
If there's something in the scripture that causes me to change, that's good. It's right. actually a proof that I'm following God and not a projection of myself. Mm, it's beautiful. Well, so what we're going to do for the next several minutes, we're just going to roll through a bunch of reasons you can trust God's word, and uh, we're going to kind of do it in a rapid fire sort of a yeah, way. So, so load maybe, us up. yeah. Start. So uh, let's begin with this first one. The Bible claims to be God's word. That's one of the reasons you can trust it. Now, saying that something claims to be something is not an airtight case, but if it is God's word, you would expect it to say it is God's word. And you know the scripture you just read in 2 Timothy 3, it says that all scripture is breathed out by God, <laughs> right? Right there it is. Or in 2 Peter 1, the scripture tells us that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And this idea that God's word the Bible has been given to us from him, and Scripture says, hey, this is God's Word. Yeah. Now, the second reason that I really love and I know you love is this idea of all the manuscript evidence that's out there. Just tons of manuscript evidence. I got turned on to this idea of manuscript evidence uh, when I was a lot younger with a book called Case for Christ yeah, by Lee, Lee Strobel. Strobel. Yeah. yeah, If you remember Case for Christ, Lee Strobel was not a believer. He was actually an investigative journalist up in Chicago at That's the time, right. and he wanted to disprove or prove once and for all. So he took, just like an investigative journalist does, and chased down all the historical facts he could. He comes to the conclusion that Jesus and the Scriptures are what they said they were. And then he writes this book, A Case, for, Case Christ, for Christ, that basically testifies to that reality. That's right. And so when you think about the idea of manuscript evidence, what we're getting at there is the number of manuscripts that we have, which stacks up in a massive number, like 24,000 against you know, just handfuls of other historical documents. Yeah, so some of the other documents that would be kind of ancient in, in their relevance would be like things that Plato wrote or Socrates mm-hmm. wrote. Or Annals were, of Rome or right. ta- Tacitus. So or these are like. things that every right. historical account says, those were real, this is real, but they've only got one, two, five copies at the most up and against Scripture, like letters to Rome, letters or the gospel of whatever, right. and you've got Hundreds and thousands, sometimes 10,000 manuscripts of original manuscripted documentation, and they don't differ but a hair's uh, breath at anything. It would be just a mistake. It'd be a a missing apostrophe or, or, you know, the scribe's fallen asleep and misses a line. You can see these kind of just human errors, but the manuscripts are there. And we would encourage you to, to go down that rabbit hole, right? I mean, there is so much written on the manuscript evidence, how the books of the Bible were put together. All of that will help build your confidence in God's Word. Yeah, I was just going to say, one of the greatest places that I have been to see this is I've had the opportunity to go to Israel 11 times. Mm. And one of the things that was discovered after World War II, which I think is beautiful and brilliant, is the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm. And these Dead Sea Scrolls, they're finding all of these scrolls that were thousands of years old. And the book of Isaiah, for instance, thousands of years old. And when they find the Dead Sea Scroll in the 1940s, it is the same exact words as what the the scriptures have said that they were for 3,000 years. It's Mm. amazing. Mm. And it was found after Adolf Hitler has been conquered and defeated and long gone and dead. So he doesn't have a chance to destroy them like he did so many other artifacts. It's just a beautiful amen to what you're saying, that the manuscript evidence is there and it's it's real and we've got to trust it. And it's one of the reasons we can build 
truth there. That's great. Um, One of the reasons we can trust the Bible is because it diagnoses the problems that we have, and then it offers satisfying solutions. Now, this is the the old, the reason you trust the Bible because it practically works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you think about the way the Bible talks about, for instance, sin in the world, right? Sin is undeniable. And here you have a document that explains and shows the origin of sin, it shows the nature of sin, it, it really diagnoses the problem, and then it offers a satisfying solution that you Beautiful. can see it resolves, if yeah, you will. that's right. So things like sin, and then ultimately forgiveness. Mm. I mean, forgiveness is one of these elements in life that we need to reckon with. Where can you go to have your guilt removed? That's right. How do you walk in the healing that is required as we need to both pursue forgiveness for things that I've done? And I I need to actually be healed from things that were done to me. Mm. And the Bible offers beautiful, satisfying solutions to the Mm. origin and the completion of these things. That's one of the proofs that we have. One that just popped in my mind, you know, we've been talking about the letter to the Ephesians lately. And this idea of the disunity in the world, how the Bible describes where that comes from and then offers through the gospel a solution to it. Yeah, I think you know, even a, a, a secular, just moral person wants diversity or wants unity. These are things that we just kind of have this moral as- aspiration towards. But where mm. do those come from? Where mm. did they orient from? Where, why? And so, yeah, it's exactly right. The Bible has a beautiful suggestion and solves itself if we'll just follow it. That's amazing. That's one of the reasons we can trust the Scripture. Right. Trust the Scripture because of its beauty, its depth, and its unity. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, you know, people like Jordan Peterson are jumping on this right now. Maybe some of the listeners have seen uh, he uses this beautiful cross-reference yep. diagram to show how many places the Bible refers to other places in the Bible, mm. and, and it resolves itself. And mm. just how does that happen? You're talking about 1,600 years from the beginning of the Scripture being written till its completion. You're talking about being written on three continents, Asia, mm-hmm. Africa, and Europe. You're talking about 40-plus authors. Mm but they're writing one coherent message. Mm. That's a miracle. It and really it's one is. one of the fine proofs that you can trust the Scripture. That's right. I think about this, this Bible study method where you begin in the Garden of Eden and you pick out some topic, right? And you trace that topic all the way through to Revelation, to the Garden. So you begin in the Garden, you end in the Garden, and you're going to find over and over this narrative connects all the way through the Bible, there's this beautiful unity there. How is that possible without God superintending the creation of it? It's yeah. not. Yeah. It's not possible. So that's one of the things that commends the Bible to me as God's Word over and over is this unity of the Scriptures and its beauty. The next, and it kind of ties into it, is, the, is what is described as prophetic fulfillment, mm. that the Scripture has a ton of things that are in the Old Testament that you see fulfilled in the New Testament. And just, friends, there's still a lot of things that the Bible prophesies that many people are still looking for today, mm. right? Things from the book of Daniel or things from the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah. Right. But how, how many of these things have already been seen and what a miracle. And there's been mathematicians that have tried to like liken the chances of these kind of things happening and right. h- how rare it would be. But that's just the things that have come fulfilled in Christ Mm. some of his prophetic fulfillment, but there's other things still. And you think about the prophetic word in the Old Testament as kind of a verification system. Yep. 
So you think about this idea that a prophet, however many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, is going to say something comes true, then it actually comes true in the way that they said it was going to come true. It's like, wow, this must be from God. This must be from God. Um, You know, the influence on human history, uh, I don't think there's there's not a a book that comes close to the Bible's influence on human history and how it shows over and over this massive influence uh, to uh, world events. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, again, I'll, I'll just point out a couple of books. There's a fantastic book called Dominion by Tom Holland. He's a beautiful. British author. He works with N.T. Wright, Tom Wright a ton. He's not a Christian, Trev, but he, he believes the scriptures are true and that the ways of following Jesus are such a big deal because people following the word of God and living out the message and truth of God have created a world where Freedom of speech is a reality where people care about the hurting of the lost or the orphan or the widow, the Mm. immigrant, the migrant. These things, um, turning your cheek and forgiveness and all of these beautiful things that were oriented in the scriptures are best lived out and seen in life when people follow the word of God. Mm. And so hospitals and education and freedom of speech and democracy and capitalism and all of these things, even the ability to argue against Christianity today. Mm. is being done from a platform that was built by Christian values. Wow. That people would see human dignity and every voice matters and being charitable to the expression of ideas. And so people that stand up and vehemently disagree with Christianity as an agnostic or an atheist or whatever the reason might be, they are doing so by the grounds that Christianity has built for them. That's wild to think about. It really is. What a proof, though. Yep. Uh, when I think about this idea of trusting God's Word as His Word, I think about this idea of the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is unique for believers. Yeah, tell me about what, what does that phrase mean, yeah, inner the, witness of the, the Holy Spirit? The idea the inner witness of the Holy Spirit is that as we read the Scripture, the Holy Spirit bears witness that what we're reading is God's Word. Now, let me tell you kind of how that plays out. Imagine that you're you're reading God's Word, and as you're reading God's Word— what begins to happen is this affection for Jesus grows in your heart. Hmm. And you're reading the words of God. You're like, wow, why? I'm loving Jesus more as I'm reading these words. That's the Holy Spirit doing that work in your, your heart. Uh, as you put your eyes on the word of God, something is changing in your mind and your heart. You're loving Jesus more. That process of that inner witness of the Holy Spirit is confirming that what you're reading is the Word of God. When you're reading another book, it doesn't quite do it the same way as when you're reading God's Word. Now, certainly, you think about this idea of inner witness of the Holy Spirit, and it's more than that. You know, when I'm sitting in a service on a Sunday, a gathering, and I hear the preached Word, and I look around and people respond to the gospel. Mm. That's a testimony to me that what I've heard from you know, the stage, the, the Bible that's being read, people respond to it. And that's a witness from the Holy Spirit that that is God's Word. Yeah, and when People you, get saved no, when, when you, they when read When you the see word. somebody's life change, that's Trev, right. which is a continuation of that, you can't deny that. Mm. You know, I was meeting with a gentleman today, pastoral conversation, and his sister 
has seen his life change since he started following the Lord. Mm. And I, I can't go into too many details, but it's unbelievable addictions that have just overnight changed. Mm. It's 2,000 years of people. Over and over and over and over again, mm. people's lives have changed as they have leaned in to the living and active Word of God. I think about the idea that if you and I were to release from God's Word, right, and, and oh, that's not God's Word, we would have to do that stepping over 2,000 years, this great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. It's like, man, we can't, we can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we can, we've got to deal with the reality that there are people that have been hurt. There are people right. that are, that, you know, and so any person has got a story and got a journey, and there's people that have been, they've got pain points. Mm. But you can't explain away 2,000 years of changed life just because of one pain point. Right. And every one of us have those moments. Hmm. And so I just, again, I want to just talk to the listener here for a moment and just really reckon with the reality that, man, God's word is what it says it is. And the Lord loves you. And yep, you and I might have things that we're going to deal with in our past or in our future that are going to be points of pain. Hmm. But we can't let those points of pain talk us out of the kind of love that has changed people's lives for 2,000 years, unbelievable testimonies, Mm. unbelievable sacrifice. And God is still God. His word is still living and active. We can still trust it. And we don't need to let the enemy come again, guised in a new cultural disguise saying, hey, did God really say? Mm. Did, Did God really say? Or was that just kind of the culture of your church upbringing? Right. Did God really say, or was that just religious people? No, God really did say he loves you. He loves every one of us and that he's got forgiveness on offer. And you know what? Bad actors Mm. in Christianity cannot deny the kindness and love of God for 2,000 years. So don't be talked out of it. That's right. And you think about this idea of getting under the authority of God's word. There's safety there, isn't there? There's protection there. There's this idea that I can live my life in such a way under the authority and umbrella of God's word that I have so much freedom. There's so much freedom there. That's counterintuitive, though. It really is. That's paradoxical, because I think there's a a lie out there that says, no, if you follow God, you're going to be not free. Constrained. Yeah, if you really want to be free, just do whatever you want. That's right. But isn't it crazy that when you you do whatever you want, you chase your stomach, you find yourself enslaved? Mm. When you chase desire, desire of the flesh or craving of the stomach, you find yourself enslaved. That's right. But when when you put yourself under... Mm. The goodness of the Word of God, so you good. find yourself free. Mm. What a beautiful paradox. That is. You know, um, Brad, as you're thinking about people developing in the dark, their aim is an everyday relationship. What's the advice you would give them in terms of a daily rhythm? Just some practical things about getting into God's Word. What would be some things you would say? Well, I, you know, this is actually something I had a conversation with my kids the other day. And I said, that the first thing first, give God your first. And so this is the idea of giving God your first part of your day. Mm. The world is loud. Your cell phone is loud. And where you're going to go at work or school is going to be loud. But before you get out there and exchange screams with the world, why don't you sit down and just let God talk to you the first Mm. part of your day? The other thing we talk about in our home is giving God the first day of the week, Mm. which classically 
That's Sunday. That's why the church historic stops working, comes out from where they are, and right. gathers with other believers, men and women, as a testimony to lock eyes with them as you lift up the name of Jesus. And you say, God, you're going to get my first day of the week. And so I think if you're really looking for the everyday relationship, you've got to evaluate what is filling up your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your smell, your, mm. your environment, like the five senses. What is pouring into those five senses? And control them mm. as best you can to the things of God. So That's I want to so be around good. relationships that pour into me. I want to be around music that pours into me. I want to watch television that's encouraging. and pour. I want to read things that pour into me. And we're not going to listen to me, friends. We're not going to be able to overcome the discipleship of technology and television and your phone your with face. just 30 minutes mm. of a Sunday gathering. Mm. You're going to have to be aware of the things that are coming at you in mass media, in conversations, in 24-7 news cycles on Twitter feeds or in, you know, just your digital downloads. And we're going to have to think about how am I eating mm. and listening and consuming all of these very things in a way that says, man, I'm leaning into the Word of God because it's the Word of yeah. life. What if people develop into the dark right now, they were absolutely convinced that it, the Bible is God's Word? Can you imagine if God were to speak to you directly. Well, guess what? He has spoken to you directly. And you might actually binge watch something. You might. You know, you might go, I'm going to read all of Ephesians. I think you would. I'm going to lean in. What did God say to the young leaders? I think you would consume it. I think you would get, uh, you know, transfixed by it. You would be obsessed by it if it was really God's word, and it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think, I mean, somebody asked me the question, like, what would be your advice? Read it. Uh, how do I understand the Bible better? Read it. Yeah, the Bible but, translates the Bible. Right. Read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. That's that's the advice that I give. Yeah. Uh, it, the long and short of it is uh, it is God's word. So take it into your life and let it become, you know, all that it needs to yeah, be. Our so. prayer for you would be right here, right now, that you would fall in love with God's Word in a way you have never fallen in love with it before. Mm. That like Jeremiah, you would eat it like the scroll was meant to be eaten. That's right. That you would consume it because in it you're going to understand who God is and who God says you are and how you and I are supposed to live. Love it. Identity is going to be established, an unshakable identity that's going to call you to mission, to love and serve in the world and put you in the big story, the mega narrative because there's a huge narrative going on. And yes, we are small, but we are a small part of a grand story. So beautiful. It's a big deal. Yep. So beautiful. And that's our time for today, Brad. Man, we're just so excited for you as you develop in the dark. We're praying that this week you'll dive into your word with just this renewed passion to see and hear what God wants to tell you. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, spending time with you next uh, installment. Thanks for listening to Develop in the Dark. We hope that today's episode will help the light in you shine brighter than the light on you.